podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Alia and I'm a Saudi and a lesbian. Ellie and I am bi, trans, and Lebanese and we are both living in America. Yes, and this is a follow-up episode to the May 11th episode where we spoke with Rabia Keeble. We're going to be putting, we're going to be publishing this today in a bit, and we're also going to be tacking this on to the end of Rabia's episode because there's a lot more to the story that we have discovered and learned yeah. since publishing. So the way that uh, Rabia was, she was recommended to us through a friend as a possible good subject for the Queer Arabs podcast. Mm-hmm. So. We contact Rabia and do some basic research and turn up nothing bad. She looks like, oh, hey, she's doing this cool thing out in Oakland with a women's mosque. We should talk to her. So we do. And the episode with her is what was produced as the result of that. However, a day or two after publication, we start getting a message from people who are saying, hey, she's not what she appears to be. At first, it's just one person, and then it turns into several. And for the most part, like, we're not getting anything she published but screenshots of. And so we thought that was a tiny bit suspicious because, you know, why wouldn't we find any other proof other than these, like, one-response screenshots? Well, just to add, Rabia was also messaging you. Yes. The whole time. Yes. So we're... And we're basically having this back and forth conversation. However, a certain forum took took it upon themselves to inform us of the issues with Rabia. For a while, we did not listen because we had some issues with it. Beyond that, but however, it just became so much evidence started them out, we couldn't ignore it despite our reservations and Rabia's assurances. Mm-hmm. So this episode is kind of the result of that. Uh, so what happened was these people were informing us of another side of Rabia that they had been familiar with. The more abusive Rabia, the more hostile Rabia, the more transphobic Rabia, the downright scary Rabia. Mm-hmm. And um, in just a bit, I'm going to pretty much completely give the mic to uh, Ellie and a guest that we have on here right now. We're going to introduce him pretty soon. But I also want to mention that on May 17th, at about, I think it was 8 or 9 p.m. Art, uh, Central Time, uh, Rabia posted this extremely compelling and sincere sounding apology video saying that she has a lot to learn about um, trans issues and that she's trans ignorant and she seemed extremely um, genuine and right away she conveniently wrote to Ellie and said hey watch my video so we both did shortly after she took the video down and she has not been willing to supply us with the video since in fact she's basically ghosted us, like refusing to acknowledge us or talk to us. So at this point, we're done with her. And it seems to line up with her behavior that all these other people are describing. We haven't described her behavior like this to anyone outside of us before. So um, so I guess, all right, Ellie and Makai, go right. for it. Uh, so with us today, we have Makai. I'm from Gary, oh. Indiana. From Gary, Indiana, who and he is associated with the forum in question. The reason we're trying to keep this forum not mentioned is because we don't want to create an influx of bullying or hate mail or whatever. We, there's enough yeah. drama. There's enough of that already. 
Yeah, I, so I, I should clarify real quick. I actually was not affiliated with the forum until this happened okay. because part of what happened was that she started to post about this the very next day after what had happened on my wall repeatedly and then another person's wall. She took it upon herself to post in two separate groups about this. So um, it was funny because I had sent in um, actually a, a request to join this group a long time ago but they hadn't gone around to ever adding me so it was it was just a very odd situation because i wasn't involved in either and in, in the one group and i had only started to kind of become active in the other group just a little bit so and for context these are sorry and for context these are both like uh progressive islamic forms correct Yes, yes. They're both Facebook groups that are more progressive um, and Muslim focused. Yes. So I initially, to the best of my recollection, became aware of Rabia uh, because I had been in my own community experiencing transphobia at a local mosque. Um, now, interestingly enough, I used to live in California and I used to live in the same general as Rabia, but her paths never crossed out there. Um, and so that's when, and, and I was talking about this experience in a very large progressive Muslim group on Facebook that has nothing to do with the other two groups that we've already mentioned. Um, and so at that point, she approached me both on the thread and I believe messaged me in, as well and said, hey, you know, I'm an ally to transgender people and to queer people and I'm very upset about what you experienced and, you know, uh, I run a queer and trans inclusive mosque in Oakland and I thought, great, here's someone who's doing the work as being a good ally, making a space for people, um, things like that. And, you know, and I'm hoping that in my community one day we can have something that's queer and trans inclusive. So when this person approached me, I very much, you know, was interested in kind of seeing, you know, like, what her you know what her model was and 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 different things like that just you know so so we connected she friended me on facebook um and then she added me to a few of these groups that she runs and you know like for the most part then it just kind of like our connection became more of a background one we didn't interact so much um i did notice on some of her groups that she could be quite like combative with people like the groups took on kind of like a thunderdome kind of uh frame almost except it was more like people would get into conflicts with her and then she would ban them um it was less of a back and forth um and sometimes she seemed to be in the right and sometimes it was hard for me to understand what was really going on there um but at the time it didn't alarm me so much some people have different personality styles and different ways of engaging so I, I didn't try to place any judgment on that um but that did come up uh because on april 22nd um i posted something to my wall uh kind of critiquing kind of like the way that white liberal critiques of donald trump are very focused on his 
uh, like his demeanor and his way of speaking and his intelligence or perceived intelligence um, and whether he's polite or impolite or proper or improper and are much less focused oftentimes on you know the harm that like Donald Trump does to like people of color to transgender and queer people um and you know just kind of how that was discouraging to me um and on that thread she took a very odd stance um initially you know she didn't seem to want to engage at all around kind of the issues i brought up around how trump had impacted you know the black community she didn't want to seem to engage with my concerns about pence she seemed to have this odd belief that Trump had had no impact on the LGBTQ community and seemed to become very focused on my identity as an LGBTQ person. Now, I'm multiracial. Um, I have, I'm, I'm very light-skinned. I have a lot of passing privilege relative to other people in my family, um, but I'm very open about who I am. Um, and, you know, among other heritages in my family you know we're filipino we're indigenous when people were black irish swiss so my family is very mixed and i very strongly identify with with most of that uh, my mother was black identified i very i was raised in those spaces and i live in those spaces and that identity is very salient to me um, even though to some people that may not be readily apparent, but this is not something that is a secret or a mystery to anyone. Um, and many kind of larger progressive Facebook groups that I've been involved in in the past, I'm less involved with now, again, not the two we mentioned earlier. I'm pretty notorious for uh, coming after pretty people pretty hard on issues of anti-blackness. Um, and issues of racism and all kinds of issues of oppression like there's a lot of people who don't like me because of that um i bring this up because this becomes relevant later to some of the very strange claims that she has made about me that rabia has made about me um but on this thread it was very weird um and i i at first i thought oh well we have so many overlapping identities maybe it's just that my queer and trans identity is more salient to her because of that mm -hmm. you know i kept i kept kind of making i guess excuses probably in part because i'd had this really horrific experience out in my own community of transphobia mm -hmm. um in the mosque and i i probably was desperate for allyship in a way and that really led me to make too many excuses in this instance because pretty soon it went from a conversation which was just confusing to a conversation where she was actively punching down on on black and brown people saying oh well black people elected trump and brown people and mexicans elected trump and then very quickly several of my friends were like okay what are you talking about a lot of my uh black and latino friends came on there and and really started to question where she was coming from on this mm -hmm. and to the latina woman that questioned her she you know kind of accepted the feedback more or less but to other black people who called her out and these are people who unlike myself aren't multiracial they're very unambiguously black people one of whom was a black woman one of whom was a dark-skinned black man 
um she was just extremely hostile um and really just kept attributing aggressiveness to them that i couldn't see was there um and at the time i felt very ambivalent like should i block this person should i not because issues of self-hatred are really complicated and unfortunately um i misjudged the situation i didn't block her i thought well maybe she'll revisit this and she'll realize what happened here today and maybe we can talk about this later and maybe this can be like an opportunity for growth um somehow um so Uh, if you don't mind so so it turned into a question of like hey your premise might be flawed she turned into an argument over like in this case, it sounds like she was turning into like a race and questioning like, hey, what are you talking about? Why are you? Uh, and she was just using it to discredit people, you know? Well, it was weird because it was really, it really felt like an exercise and like anti-blackness and anti kind of Latino kind of sentiment. Like it was weird because in that argument, you wouldn't look at her since this time she's tried to kind of take on this position of well i'm a very pro-black person and and all these things but it's very odd because you look at that conversation it's not a person who looks pro-black it's a person that i took a lot of heat for not blocking from my other friends who were black because they were like well why are you you know just because it's self-hatred you shouldn't be giving her a pass and they were right i was wrong in that situation to not block her at that point or to not at least defriend her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, it was, it was a misjudgment on my part, but mm-hmm. in that situation, she very much was taking on like the position of caping for, for problematic white people who were apathetic to black lives. Cause I kept saying, you know, I'm talking about people who don't care about us. I'm talking about people who aren't interested in what's happening to us. And I kept bringing up things were happening in my local community. My community is like 90% black. Um, We're surrounded by a bunch of communities that are white and we, uh, and we're in Indiana and we lived under Pence. And so for me, like the question of like a Pence presidency, like I've already had a small taste of that. I know what that will be like. Um, You know, if we're going to impeach one of them, let's impeach all of them. But like, it was just it it was a very confusing situation and then when a person who was white passing and transgender and multiracial came on the thread and became very defensive like oh don't throw all white people under the bus because i identify with whiteness rabia supported that position and i thought that was very odd and then later on that same person that made that statement comes up to support these transphobic ideas too and her her name is Catriona, I believe, and and she blocked me in in all of this too. But I haven't had many interactions with her since. Um, so yeah, like it's it's an important thing to bring up because one, the issues with uh, with Rabia aren't just. I mean, the the transphobia is bad enough, but it also extends to racism. It also extends to kind of anti-immigrant sentiment. When I started talking just on my own Facebook about what I had experienced, it was amazing the number of people who weren't even Muslims who came forward because I used to live in the same area as she. So we know a lot of the same people, and I didn't even realize this, who came forward and said, 
I've had problems of this person before and they were around race. They were around, you know, her saying these really extreme things about Latinos, her saying, you know, these other things. Some people came to me personally, um, you know, outside of that and said, wow, you know, I've had situations with her where, you know, it almost got to a place of physical violence. Um, And so these and, and the people who I had two people say that last bit to me and I don't think either of them feel comfortable coming forward. Mm -hmm. Um, And I obviously don't blame them. Um, And it wasn't situations. Those two situations weren't involving transphobia. They were involving more just like interpersonal conflicts that would come up seemingly out of nowhere or other things like classism or sexism, things like that. Um, because there's a lot of the, the kind of misogyny and I would say misogynoir that even I, by this point had noticed, I had seen on some posts, this kind of tendency that she had to really, for lack of a better term, slut shame black women. Um, it was funny because, sorry, go ahead. No, just, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was funny because even on like some of Hafsa's posts, she would go like in because Hafsa used to post just funny memes about stuff and a lot of stuff like that. And anything that kind of like had to do with female sexuality, like Rabia would be right there, like, oh, well, you know, like what, you know, like that, that's slutty and, and people shouldn't be acting like that and women should respect themselves more and, and just weird kind of like very kind of archaic kind of misogynistic thinking like that i know there was also an incident in one of her groups where she posted the weird fake article about how women who have sex with men like retain the dna inside of them if every man they've ever had sex with and that there was a huge issue in one of her groups about this that was very like i was kind of in and out of facebook at that time so it was just very barely on my radar um but like just kind of stuff like that tends to come up with her a bit i know that some people have come to me and said that uh specific to kind of like homosexuality that she's become very upset for instance when somebody had posted kind of instructions for like like safe anal sex or something um is is like a kind of public service announcement on their page that she became very upset about that. Um, and it was kind of this combination of like, kind of like very negative ideas about sexuality, but also homophobia and that that person ended up having to block her. Um, and it's so funny because my sentiment in all of this, when I start hearing this at first, I was kind of like, well, why did nobody tell me? I mean, like obviously people who had blocked her couldn't see her, um to know what was going on but some people for instance who were in charge of groups or stuff that i was in who obviously could see her even though she was blocked things or had blocked them things like that like there was just there was a lot of quietism Mm -hmm. that i think contributed to this person even being able to kind of engage with me in that way like people in that group there's a lot of members and someone surely saw her comments to me and, and saw her kind of 
you know, approach me, but nobody said anything. And so for me, I think that's, that's why it's very important to speak up about this because I think it's the same thing. Like what you were describing when you were trying to vet her before she came on your show, that there was just kind of like an absence of any bad information. And so it just seemed like everything was fine. Yeah. And since she goes, she had a habit of going through and removing her older posts on her personal pages yeah you know none of it showed up because all of this drama had been confined to facebook where she's very able to control what is seen and what is published about her in some yeah. respects especially when she controls the conversation say on her own page her own forum and yeah. we were hesitant to question that because we had no evidence of her, of her bad behavior aside from screenshots and as if anyone who's like lived on the internet knows screenshots are pretty easily faked so yeah at, that point we're like well do we take the word of somebody who's like some random people on the internet with screenshots and like no other evidence or do we take this word of this community organizer who we've we've seen and spoken to and mm -hmm. we it's like we we kind of like flipped the coin on that one and came down well we should support her because she's doing good work yeah everyone probably has like problematic posts or statements in their background but you know that doesn't automatically kill a person's credibility however because of her level of hostility and the form she was confined to like again like the people who did have problems with her and did speak up about her were also kind of hesitant to do so again in the public formal forum because of the level of attack they had sustained previously we've yeah. had a few people contact us with you know information screenshots recordings all sorts of stuff that they provide us like, yeah, she's, she's, this is how she is. And we're like, whoa. And it's like, can we publish this? And they're like, no, because I don't want to deal with her again. Cause yeah. you know, people have connections to her in real life. They have connections to yeah. her on forums and places they administrate. They have to interact with her casually or, you know, remotely. And they don't want to turn those interactions, which would otherwise be productive into something hostile because she will go off on them. They know this. Yeah. Yeah, she seeks people out, too, and she very directly threatens people, and that came up a lot as this inc as these incidences progressed um, that I was a part of. Um, I think there's also something that's kind of endemic to Muslim spaces, I think, um, where a lot of times, because we're so kind of interdependent on each other, because oftentimes we feel so attacked by people outside the community that a lot of times people are hesitant to hold community leaders accountable. I think we've seen this over and over with a lot of people other than Rabia, um, who still like the accountability part, like people know that they've done these bad things and it's been very publicized. But like the accountability part still isn't really there and people really aren't sure what to do with it. And it feels like always there's this kind of process of kind of collective forgetfulness um, because it is. And, and I think there's also this way that we attend to authority in a way that, at least in my opinion, sometimes gets to this level where it's almost like un-Islamic. Um, but I think it's it's been kind of part of this kind of like bida that we've like developed over, you know, like the last 1400 years um, or so. And I think that it's become just such a huge part of how we relate to authority 
And so it's very challenging for people to imagine, you know, holding leaders accountable in the same way that they would everyday people. Because I know that when I started to kind of engage around what had happened to me more publicly, I did get pushback from a few people like, well, who are you? Like, who are you? You're not important enough to be speaking like this about someone of this level of importance. Um, And that's a very discouraging thing because a lot of times those of us who are queer, those of us who are people of color, those of us who are uh, transgender or have other areas of oppression, we don't have necessarily the easiest time uh, getting into positions of influence, not that we necessarily would try to, but the people sometimes in our communities who hold you know, influence or people, especially across gender lines, uh, you know, you see this, are, are people with more privilege. And so we get into these very odd kind of situations where uh, privilege and oppression play out, you know, and get more calcified because of power differentials in terms of community leadership um, and just kind of the lack of questioning around how does someone become like part of this role as a community leader um and i think for rabia i still have questions about this Um, like even sorry go uh, ahead uh one thing we have noticed with her is she does do a lot of self-promotion yes uh, she basically used our podcast to promote herself and her mosque Mm -hmm. and we were later informed that a lot of what she said was either blown well out of proportion of like how big it was or how they served or that she was the only person who was doing this work in her community and oh we've also heard from like the bay area and both oakland that queer muslims who feel a part of the social justice space there and progressive communities did not get reflected in rabia's interview she just made it about her it was about her it was about how she's saving everyone yes but that's kind of the thing and full disclosure um i'm not muslim so you know a lot of the muslim stuff here i can't cannot fully qualify but i do understand you know toxic allies i do understand that people who often show up first and show up the longest do get in positions of power because they are the ones who show up and they they show up they vote and they make their heard voices heard consistently while everyone else may have like a life to go to or jobs to do or children to pick up or something other than yeah. this. But Rabia seems to be pretty focused on, you know, asserting herself in progressive spaces, even though yeah. her views may not be the most progressive or they may even be openly hostile to progressive causes. But yeah. here we are. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that, you know, what you're speaking to, like, there's so much kind of privilege, like an oppression kind of dynamics built into that, you know, I think in this situation, perhaps like economic privilege may may play some kind of part in this, um, because it's very like, you know, like, she is so constantly kind of able to show up in that way, um, that, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, who don't have access to those kinds of resources would really struggle to be as constantly present, like what you're saying. Um, I also, it's, it's been very odd because like through this process, I've heard so many different kind of 
narratives of where Rabia even comes from, like what her history even is, that I too have just kind of more general questions about, you know, is this the first time she's kind of been in a religious community where she's done this kind of thing? Or has she done this in other religious communities before as well? Has she done this in other kind of geographical spaces as well? Because it's so funny. I get these very divergent kind of narratives from people about how she represented herself to them. And it just things that are completely contradictory. And so I too wonder if there's other people out there who, you know, many years ago experienced this kind of horrific thing who aren't part of the Muslim community, who have no ties necessarily to the Muslim community, who aren't from the Bay Area and who have made no way maybe of connecting to this and, and may not even know, you know, that this person is the same person that was, you know, uh, abusive to them or bigoted toward them. Um, so my hope is that hopefully somehow those connections will be made because I think it's important for for all people who have been wronged to, to have, you know, like a stake in accountability. Um, but kind of going back to kind of the timeline here. So on May 13th, um, I had posted just like... I reshared something from somebody that was just this very kind of basic, like, if you, like, say that, you know, you'll date anyone except a transgender person, that's really transphobic, and here's why. You know, just one of those things that you see that you say, hey, you know, this is good information for folks out there. I'll just reshare it. Like, I, I reshare so many things every day. It's ridiculous. Yeah, welcome to Facebook and meme culture. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> like mm -hmm. when I try to go back to like get screenshots of things, I'm like, wow, I posted like a hundred times in mm -hmm. one day. That's that's wild. Um, and it was just very, she immediately kind of jumped on that thread and was like, oh, well, I disagree and here's why. Um, and at first, you know, I was like, well, maybe she just kind of doesn't understand and things like that. But I was already a little bit frustrated because this is a person who has repeatedly marketed herself as a transgender and queer ally. Um, sometimes in ways that almost don't make sense. Like she, she sometimes doesn't seem to have a grasp of like even like basic language around things like that. Like she sometimes doesn't understand the difference between cisgender and like heterosexual or that those are two different things. She kind of treats them as one thing, which I think is kind of like a, a older attitude we often see in, in people that have a lot of kind of unexamined biases. This idea of, well, cisgender and, and heterosexual, that, that's just, you know, so-called normal. Um, like that, that seemed to be kind of her approach for a lot of things. Like it was funny because I remember when she was promoting being on, uh, on your podcast, she kept sharing it around and saying, oh, look, I'm on, I'm going to be on queer Arabs, even though I'm cisgender. And I was just like, you get that like cisgender is kind of like, that. that's a different kind of like identity yeah. thing that you're talking about than it's, queer it, yeah right? like we didn't yeah. even, we didn't see that promotion we were just like we're, yeah we're, we're, we're like we, it got back to us yeah eventually eventually and we were just like okay but we also were but my personal thinking was like okay 
Well, maybe her language, her grasp of the language, this is inter English isn't her first language. You know, I was making excuses. I was like, well, you know. Yeah, I think it is. But, you know, but I was, you know, I was giving her, again, the benefit of a doubt because I didn't have any contradictory evidence at that point other than screenshots. However, it, it piled up. It piled up quickly and eventually had to say, uh, we had to say, we need to re-examine this. And because we don't have, because we're not doing this pro podcast professionally, we don't get paid for this, we don't make any money off it, we don't have sponsorships, Patreon, although we probably should, uh, or any sort of affiliate links, you know, we just do this. So it took us like over a week to properly respond to this. All the while, you know, there was all, all this drama going on on our page and all these related forums just because like, oh, hey, uh, she's a bad person. And we're like, wow, this is all, this is basically a fire hose information and quite a bit of hate mixed in there. And we're less like, whoa, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that there had been so much negative in impact from her and people all the way through until maybe even just a couple of days ago were still being actively threatened by her. She was still like when you reference the video that she had put up briefly during and after that she was still threatening people she was still posting these very ridiculous things all over the place for people to see and i think that just people were kind of terrified honestly like people were very traumatized and very terrified and i think we're so used to seeing people just literally not care when our rights are are impinged upon or when people are doing harm to us that sometimes confusion looks like apathy and i think that like a couple of people you know may have kind of been impacted maybe in a way that wasn't intended because there are other people that we've tried to reach out to about what happened that really were just silent and apathetic and where it's completely unclear about whether anything will be done um and and so that this post on on the 13th originally you know originally it was on my page she said a lot of very typical kind of transphobic things um and she kept going back to this kind of rhetoric that you know transgender men just really weren't men and that there's nothing transphobic about people not wanting to have anything to do with transgender people, you know, sexually or romantically. And just a lot of, I mean, there's so much, it's hard to kind of pull up all of the things out of my mind that she kind of went through in this whole thing. Um, but also just kind of in a lot of this is just really classic transphobia. The idea that cisgender people just don't date trans transgender people um the idea that you know when you try to talk and then myself and another transgender person who's not muslim who's just a friend of mine who's seen this going on we were trying to talk to her we were you know my friend gave plenty of links and resources i was trying to talk her through this in a logical way and she kept going back to this idea that if we were challenging her way of thinking as being transphobic, that that essentially meant that we were sexual predators. 
that we were trying to kind of force her into some kind of sexual relationship with one or both of us, which is ridiculous. But this is something that happens quite frequently. Like it's that trope that 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 transgender and queer people are sexual predators that were sexual deviants. Um, she labeled um, having sex with a transgender person as sexual experimentation. Uh, um, and to be, yeah. to, be, to be fair here, we're not arguing that you know, straight people have to have sex with or be attracted to transgender people. We're just saying that there's an inherent bias against it in society. You know, if you date a trans person, you're, you know, you're definitely going to be looked down upon and that there is a lot of problematic stuff in there, but we're not saying, oh, hey, trans people have a right to your body. And we're like, no, yeah. no, consent still no is very much a thing. That. Yeah, yeah. Like no one ever, and no one ever said that to her. I mean, like, if you think about the logic of this kind of bigotry, though, it's so strange because a lot of folks, you have no idea looking at them if they're transgender, if they're cisgender, if they're intersex, you have no idea. And so this whole stance of, well, I'm just not attracted to transgender people. Well, like, how how is that possible if you can't identify the difference between two people? Like, if you can't differentiate then how can you make a statement like that? And so the the real thing that's being called out is that it's it's basically just kind of dog whistle. It's really just a way of kind of representing transgender people as somehow either one not being the, the gender that they identify as or two um, being somehow like disgusting or somehow like untouchable. And this is like a trope that's seen constantly. Um, and, and no one's interested in Rupia's dating habits at all or anyone else's. Like, and I never, you know, she came onto my page with this. I never elicited a conversation with her about any of this. Um, but after this initial conversation on my page, she blocked me. Um, and so then on my own page which is all friends only. Like I don't post a lot of public things uh, except maybe stuff from years and years ago that are still on there, but I don't usually post things recently that are public. Um, you know, I, I express concerns about, you know, Rabia promoting herself as someone who's a queer trans ally and you know who often it, it's not just your podcast she's gone on she's also gone in kpfa and promoted herself in this way uh kpfa is like a, a local independent radio station in the bay area that's mm -hmm. that has a very high like you know number of listeners um and so i was at this point trying to get information about okay like where are the places she's been publicizing herself because they need to know what she's doing um, and I was posting this on my own page. And this is when Huffspoo, at this point, her profile is Lily something, um, got involved in this. Initially, kind of disingenuously pretended that because I misspelled Rabia's last name by two letters that she had no idea who I was talking about. Um, and then very quickly, you know, I provided receipts to her with the other thread you know, and and all of this, and she just kind of immediately took on a defensive position, 
and started arguing the same kind of perspective that Rubia had been arguing. Um, and worse, it was like a lot of people started providing her receipts um, about this because the issue of her being anti-Black came up in this conversation. The very first conversation with Hafsa was when her anti-Blackness came up, was when, you know, a lot of her issues around race came up and receipts were provided to Hafsa in this thread. She didn't care. She either didn't look at them or she didn't care about their contents. Whatever the case was, Hafsa started doing the same kind of um, rhetoric. She's taking these positions of, well, I, I would date transgender people I, or cisgender people, but not transgender people. To me, like, that's pretty overt. Um, and so she brought up some points like, um, oh, well, what about people who want to start a family, things like that? And so I was like, well, there's cisgender people who have fertility issues. Um, and she's like, well, I don't, you know, I only, you know, date black men. I don't date white men. If you're saying that, you know, it's transphobic to not date transgender men, then you're making some kind of you know, analogy there. And, and then that means I'm a reverse racist or something. And I was like, no, that's not the same at all because the power differentials are completely reversed. Like white men aren't an oppressed group. Um, and so I would answer kind of these challenges that she had, and then she'd have nothing to say about it. And then very quickly during this, she then went on her own page um, as people on my page were still trying to like get through to her, she went on her own page and basically posted um, something about, oh, well, if I'm, you know, if I don't want to date transgender people or have sex with them, does that, it's, does not being attracted to trans men make me transphobic was her question. Um, and unfortunately, she didn't really seem to want to know the answer to this question uh she just wanted to be affirmed in her biases and this thread is where it really started to go off the walls this isn't hofsa's uh page it really started to go off the walls because then a bunch of people who had very similar biases got involved and they all started to play off of each other and it just got more and more intensified and some of the worst transphobia of all the things you will see happens on this thread um I was blocked pretty quickly um, in this thread. And all I basically did was just repeat kind of my same things that I've been saying on my own thread. I was a little annoyed because it seemed like she had basically just sought out kind of an echo chamber effect. Um, and at one point, I straight up asked her, like, did you ask this question because you honestly wanted an answer? And she's like, no, I already know the answer. So it just, wow. yeah, it was just like, okay, well, <laughs> yikes. Please, um, con please confirm my biases for me. Ah, thank you. Yeah. And so, and this is the point. So um, Liana, who's another transgender person, she had been very briefly involved in the thread on my wall and then became involved in the thread on this wall at the same time. Um, I guess she just kind of came online and saw both things going on. 
And additionally, uh, another person who's a transgender person of color who's also black, uh, Catalea, she also became involved on this thread after I was already blocked. So mm-hmm. I didn't see most of her comments until until after. But she did a very good job of very trying to patiently explain to Hafsa kind of like why this was kind of a bigoted position. And Hafsa blocked her too. Um, Hafsa just basically started blocking any transgender person who didn't say what she wanted to hear. Unbeknownst to me, because Rabia had blocked me already, Rabia was on this thread cheering people along and saying all kinds of bizarre things about me that I couldn't see. Um, and there was one or two transgender people on this thread that were kind of, you know, attending to you know, people in positions of privilege, one of which was the same person who had attended to white people in in my previous thread um, where Rabia had been very anti-black. Um, but it was very interesting because in this thread, after we were all blocked and they're kind of talking amongst themselves, um, they start to develop these narratives around certain things. And Rabia starts to say these really extreme things um about transgender people and how we're basically um violent and you know that we're we carry weapons and that we hate cisgender people uh hold on hold on we yeah. got the exact i have the i was able to actually find this quote and it's like uh yeah. and she was t- talking to a person like warning the trans population are growing a violent arm even carrying weapons. They hate cis people. They hate anyone who appears to not like them. They are troubled, some of them, and very angry. I would say stay away from them. And this is all on a, on a long discussion on, you know, whether it's transphobic, not to sleep with trans people. And this isn't what I would call a nuanced academic discussion at this point. You know, no. this is this is pure echo chamberism at its finest. And yeah, stupidest and somewhat entertaining. Yeah, it was after that that Rabia um, issued that video because she seemed to understand how problematic that was. But yeah, and which we got was... the sincere, heartfelt apology, and which which promptly disappeared the next time we looked for it. Well, I I think what's good to point out though is that the video came, at least from my understanding fairly long after this thread because this thread was on the 13th and i believe the video what day did the video happen on 17th the 17th yeah that that's about when i thought um so in between then you had four days of her terrorizing people um and a lot of the sentiments that she talks about and also in that thread you have a lot of references rabia constantly referencing this idea that transgender people are sexual predators and it just keeps happening over and over and over again. Um, and she just keeps restating that. And then at one point you see Rabia and Hafsa mutually kind of develop this narrative that then Rabia starts to run with that somehow this must all be happening because they're black. Now they've ignored the fact that I'm multiracial and that I have a black identified mother. Um, They've ignored the fact that the other transgender person of color that they've blocked uh, is black. Um, And they've they've tried to now make this about, oh, how do we make this into a thing where we look like victims and where we look like we're being bullied and we make transgender people look vicious and dangerous? 
Um, and they, I mutually decide on that course of action. I mean, it's, it's, it's very explicit the way that they develop this. And it's hilarious because in the thread that was, you know, contemporaneous to this on my wall, I was literally telling Hafsa about Rabia being anti-black. I was literally speaking out against her anti-blackness. And then within a number of maybe half an hour, all of a sudden now I'm anti-black. Um, which I just thought was just, I mean, it's, it's so inducing of cynicism at this point. Um, and then literally, uh, the next day, um, on the 14th, Rabia started this kind of massive campaign, um, and it's also interesting to note that my friend Jay who is white and transgender. Um, and there's another J that's vaguely involved in this that that isn't in, in you know, just to clarify, this J is, is transgender and white. He wasn't blocked, even though he had the same interaction with Rabia, even though he was also involved in the thread with Hafsa. He wasn't blocked. He wasn't seen as, as being, like, a problem. Um liana she was blocked initially by hafsa and then hafsa later came to her and apologized but hafsa has had no apology or anything else for me or katalea at all and in fact her apology to liana reads more like her trying to drag the other two of us and talk about how we were saying these extreme things about her like that she was a murderer or something um but that's not what happened. But she's, no. But what's happening here is she's trying to just pit two people against each other so they fight with each other rather than saying, hey, you're the one who's doing all this crazy shit. Yeah, and, and I think what Hofsa... I mean, it also shows how disingenuous this narrative is that they cooked up about how this had to do with anti-blackness. Um, and it shows how, you know, amongst them, clearly, like it's the transgender people of color that they have the most problem with. So, I mean, their narratives don't make sense. But so then this is the point where for the next four days, Rabia in particular, Hafsa, I don't know what she's doing at this time. Um, She kind of falls off the radar. Rabia starts to go into these groups that I am... One of them was one I was a member of. One of them was a me- one that I was not. And so I start to see someone linked me to a thread where she screenshots of her posting about me were being posted. And so I was seeing her go into these groups and be very clear about trying to socially isolate me. Um, and her issue most of the time has been primarily with me, not even with Liana. It's convenient for her later to try to, you know, center Liana equally to me in order to try to make it into, you know, at one point she claims that we're both literal Nazis and that it's a Nazi conspiracy. And so then that, Uh, just yeah, point on that. Uh, when she does do this, she frames you both as trolls that who are attacking women of color and calls you Nazis, and then posts a literal 
you know, 1940s era Nazi flag with swastika and all. It it was yeah. pretty unambiguous and, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it's just like, whoa, and oh my God, that's why, why would you do this? Yeah, and that was like after she had posted and I guess took down that video. Um, and that's why when I heard about the video, I was like, uh, yeah, no, she's, that video is bullshit because she's still doing this stuff. Um, and she's developed a variety of narratives across this. So at one point, she claims that both me and Liana are two white cisgender men who are impersonating Muslim women in order to gain access to Muslim spaces to attack Muslim women, which to me just is so reminiscent of like the the transgender bathroom thing where people were being attacked in bathrooms because people thought they were transgender and there was this whole narrative about how you know transgender people were just men trying to infiltrate the women's bathroom i mean that's really like it was so evocative of that that it was shocking i mean beyond just the fact that she identified a transgender woman as a cisgender man impersonating a woman that's horribly problematic okay. uh let me jump in here the person they're yes. talking about here Leana, uh is most definitely trans she has a long well-documented history of being trans like whatever else is said or thought of her you know she is genuinely trans so yes the fact that she's like trying to frame her as a cis white male is wholly disingenuous. It is like, yeah. it is ridiculous. It so, is. So, you know. It's horrific. It's, no, it's just like dumb and flies in the face of like everything about her. And I, and for full disclosure, I do not like Leana. I have a lot of disagreements with Leana. However, Leana is trans. And on this point, she was right. Yeah. In this whole situation, like, Liana didn't do anything in this situation that at all contributed to anything, you know, in terms of Rabia's behavior. Like, this was to completely, like, Rabia targeting transgender people, one of whom happened to be Liana. Um, I mean, I think that this is also, not only is it disingenuous, not only is it just this obvious lie, but I think it just really speaks to what Rabia actually honestly thinks about transgender people like i really because this goes back to her whole thing of like well why would i you know like date you know a transgender man i like men like her perspective on that is still like this this just very basic transphobia of well transgender people aren't the gender they say they are that's really just where she's coming from and she's evoking all these very scary kind of stereotypes of transgender people and these lies about transgender people and these transphobic tropes that have been used to evoke violence against transgender people. This is dangerous stuff. When you're telling people things like, well, transgender people are armed and they hate cisgender people, you know, and they're dangerous, that's dangerous. Because yeah. if you associate people of aggression and violence and weapons, you're more likely to kill them. Many well-documented well documented studies on that point. Yeah, but this this isn't the point, though. It, tur it turned into... It, this basically was an argument that 
about you know internalized transphobia that blew up into hey trans people are nazis and these two trans people are attacking me personally when this is like it's just like completely insane you know i mean like i i'm not so when you say internalized transphobia Usually when I hear that term and when I use that term, it's to mean that a transgender person is having kind of transphobia about themselves. Yeah, but, or I'm about... Also, but I am also okay. here using it to, like, when, say, allies are like, yeah, but I okay. wouldn't. Yeah, so, sorry okay. if I misused it. I was... It's okay. I, I'm just trying to clarify just to make sure that, that we're talking about the, the same, same stuff thing. here because yeah. there's been so much misinformation put out there that yeah yeah, yeah it, it, it's been really it's been hard to keep up week. with everything um yeah. i mean like yeah like it is it is something where you know it started out as someone making a transphobic argument someone revealing themselves not to be an ally but the ensuing things that happened after this really she took it then to a whole nother place where now she's trying to do things that literally put people in danger. Because like, if, I mean, I imagine if someone at a mosque in my area heard that I was a cisgender man trying to infiltrate women's spaces, I imagine what that would result. Like what the result of that would be for me. And it's not pleasant. Like it's, 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 it's dangerous. Um, But, and, this comes back to her disingenuous character. Like when yeah. we, uh, when we approach her on this, like I am pretty famously out as trans. Like and we open every episode with, hi, I'm trans, you know, like this episode. Yeah. And yeah. she comes on to this and then uses our platform to promote herself despite having this overt hostility towards trans people. I'm just like, uh, so me coming back to this i was like so are you actually transphobic or are you just using that as a platform to defend yourself you know so that that, that's uh but you know yeah so i mean i i think she i think she genuinely is transphobic i think she genuinely i think the thing that yeah i i think that she uses being an ally as a way to promote herself i think that she also uses allyship as a way to gain access to people for her to be kind of emotionally and psychologically abusive toward. Um, because I know that she really didn't have any interest in me as a person until, oh, you're transgender and you're vulnerable and you've had this horrible experience. Like that was, that was when all of a sudden, you know, she wanted to interact with me that was what you know and and that under many circumstances would be more normal allyship behavior but if you have these kinds of attitudes and if you're completely okay putting people's lives at risk by putting just really scary rhetoric out there then then that just that goes to a whole nother level that's not you know that's not really someone who's like misinformed or doesn't really know what they're doing i mean and, and she changes this up so frequently like her narratives too she's engaged in many disingenuous narratives and you know like you were referring to earlier she's tried to pretend that she didn't know that she didn't know myself which is weird um she's clearly documented as knowing me 
um, that she didn't know Liana, that she didn't know anyone's pronouns. Um, and it's weird because she's saying things like, oh, well, I looked at Liana's profile and I just saw a man and then I saw someone in a hijab and, and I just assumed it was a man. I mean, like, Liana is very obviously femme presenting. Like, it just feels like she's again like kind of engaging in that rhetoric of oh well you look this way and you look that way and and shaming people for you know their you know their presentation or whether or not they're passing or things like that and she plays very heavily into this trope of the flawed ally like somebody who's trying to do good somebody who's trying to do better but then when she's called out on it repeatedly she turns on the person she was supposed to be an ally to you know, yes. it's like, hey, stop being a bad ally. This is what you're doing wrong. Please stop. And then it's like, stop telling yeah. me to be that. Why are you doing this to me? You know, trans person who is really a male. That, it's, yes. it's literally that. And it's so bizarre to watch in action. Yeah. And I just yeah. want to add a detail that Rabia, uh, at the end, with her interaction with Ellie, she actually, after a long chat in Facebook, literally said, who are you? Who is Ellie? And what is your role in this? And I'm like, uh, like we've been talking I'm for like, days. And I'm like, just scroll up a wow. little bit. So it was very, very bizarre, and it uh, nothing made sense at that point. Like, yeah. suddenly she acted like she didn't even know who Ellie was after I, they had been chatting, private, like, you know, privately. I haven't been ghosted this hard in a long time. <laughs> Not since I was dating. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. it's good to be ghosted by this person. Uh, I mean, everyone probably wishes they had been ghosted by her. But yeah, I expect after this, she will be have a few unkind words for this podcast. Oh yeah, we're prepared. Um, yeah, and we are we we are in a position of privilege because we since the beginning of this podcast we have kept ourselves. We, we only use our first name. It's mostly because of our cultures and our families and like we're terrified of the re- repercussions. But now we're realizing it's actually for safety and for many reasons. Um, oh, well, it, yeah. like for Alia, it's more family. For me, it's more safety because engaging in queer, trans and Arab spaces, you tend to get a lot of hostility. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... And, um, so Rabia has no way to contact us except through our um, podcast page or email and you know and and the case of her interview it's like she can't it's since it's not posted to facebook it's not posted on her page she can't force us to take it down she can't hide this so hopefully this will be a warning to anyone else who comes across her googles her name and i hope they see this post and see this facebook drama and hear this message yeah and we hope that this uh, at least temporarily distracts her from going after individuals again like you know maybe she'll aim her anger at us for a while and um i don't know if it'll whenever it blows over it blows over but hopefully we'll you know this will hopefully this will distraction for a little bit yeah Yeah. we're, we're a little bit of a harder target than just randos on facebook well just well yeah like individuals who use either their real name or their real picture um on facebook our our personal profiles are on facebook but we don't link them to our podcast for reasons that we mentioned earlier Um, yeah so yeah we we do want to say we're 
genuinely, we are so sorry. We have been, uh, that we have at first been dismissive and we are very sorry to everyone who has been impacted by us. Uh, and, giving her a platform and, yeah. you know, and I'm going to say it, we bought it too. We played into, oh, she's just a flawed ally, but she's doing yep. so much good. And it turns out the good she was doing was not so much. And the flaws she was ta she mm -hmm. was presenting were not so much flaws as primary character traits in this in this case. Yeah. And I, w I also want to say that Rabia was very good at making it seem like people were attacking her mosque, which was not the case. Yeah, we yeah. we later found out she she made a public post on her mosque page, and it led us and some others to believe that her mosque was under threat, under attack, and that's not something anyone would want to see. I mean, no one yeah. wants to see a women's inclusive mosque being under attack, and um, the way that she made that appear to be the case is. It's extremely manipulative and abusive, and it's not okay. And um, I, I just, I hope no one is, no one further is fooled by that. Yeah. yeah. So. And unfortunately, like I said, like since there's a lot of people who are doing work in this space who, mm -hmm. who don't want to be the, who do not have the time, effort, or energy to be the target of her attacks. You know, we're going to have to be the messengers on this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we're going to we're working as quickly as we can. You know, this is our side hobby, this podcast. Um, but we're, we're trying to be as responsive as we can um, to anyone who needs to speak with us. Yeah. Uh, as So <clears throat> so do we want to like end here? Are, well, are you actually, Mikhail, do you have anything else that you wanted to add? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do just want to add a couple of things um, because I, I think it's important to note that in addition to the public posts, in addition to kind of these these kind of public attacks, that then she would monitor people's behavior on Facebook. She would monitor groups in which people were talking about what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And she's been systematically like messaging people, not just through like Facebook, but one person actually had blocked her on Facebook. So she tracked them down on Pinterest um, mm -hmm. to message them threats. So she's been messaging people threats um, about the FBI, about the Oakland police, Mm -hmm. um, she's repeatedly called me a criminal. She's claimed that I'm engaged in cyber crimes. And like, you know, people, people are genuinely afraid by rhetoric like this. And they should be. We live in a society where police are not safe people, particularly if you're transgender, particularly if you're a person of color. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people go into panic mode from this. I've seen people just have extreme issues around anxiety after having received these threats, often just because they like to comment or just something as innocuous as that, or they typed a, a short comment on something. People that don't know her, that had nothing to do with them. And then in turn, she's taken some of those names and put them into public posts. Um... I mean, it's it's very scary. And definitely nobody wants anything bad to happen to that mosque. 
um, like we need more mosques that are inclusive, but we also need mosques that are safe mm-hmm. and that are what they say they are. And it was interesting because when this started first happening to me and I reached out to somebody who knows a lot of kind of the leadership in, in different places in, in the Muslim community, uh, she had directed me to a lot of people who were supposed to be kind of stakeholders in this mosque. And I mm-hmm. quickly discovered that, I mean, it's basically kind of like a hollow shell. Like a lot of the people that were involved are not actually involved, but this has happened so quietly that mm-hmm. people still believe that all these other people who are reputable, upstanding, you know, allies, and, and some of them are, are, aren't are allies, they're actually people that are impacted by things, are still affiliated with this this mosque. And they're actually where it's it's more of a thing now that it's really just her. And so my hope coming out of this is that, you know, someone takes responsibility for that space um, because it it terrifies me, this idea, you know, because like KPFA hasn't been responsive to us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a gentleman who's very well known um, as a gay imam from Washington, D.C. that's going to s- allegedly speak at her mosque very soon. Um, he's been very unresponsive to people trying to contact him about this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's been this general lack of accountability in the community. And I believe that she uses this mosque and she uses kind of this narrative of being an ally to ensnare people for abusive reasons. And I believe that, you know, one day because of the rhetoric she employs that this could lead to someone being in physical peril. And the last thing I want to see is someone in our community be hurt in that way. And so I implore people listening, please take this seriously. You know, please don't, you know, just hope that it will go away or hope that it will be resolved or hope that she'll figure it out. Like people need to reinvest in this mosque. People who gave up on this mosque because of her involvement and said, well, I just can't deal with her you know, so I'm just not going to be involved anymore, you know, please reevaluate that. Please find if there are other ways that you can have an impact on what's going on to make this a safe space, to make this a space where people are not going to be preyed upon. Because it's one thing to have this kind of lack of safety on, on Facebook. It's another thing when there's a physical space where people who are transgender, people of color who are transgender could end up going thinking that they're safe and then have something horrible happen. God forbid. Mm-hmm. So I just, I hope that we can, as a community, as many communities come together and and set a new standard for accountability and yeah. use this as an opportunity for that. And we, so. rec- we realize, you know, we recognize she as she is like found she's the one who founded that mosque um it's not easy for the rest of us to know what we have the power to do about that particular space um but i guess we all need to kind of do even what small piece that each of us has the ability to do and work together even if it feels like individually we can't do much yeah, yeah, I and, mean, sorry, oh, go ahead. It's cool. Uh, 
and recognize that not every ally is a good ally. Some yes. some people are, we've all heard the term pinkwashing, where some corporations and people will raise awareness for, say, some, a cause like breast cancer, but not actually contribute anything. I think what we're going to, we're seeing here is like greenwashing. I'm coining this one for greenwashing? like greenwashing, green? greenwashing, like uh, where they advocate for Muslim spaces and and Muslim causes, but don't really contribute. Mm -hmm. They do it for their own profit. And or I guess rainbow washing. Yeah, we're, yes. we're coining these right now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Rainbow Re washing. Researchers, mm -hmm. you know, here's your citation. But <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I, I think mm. we're seeing some of the first, like, not the first instances, obviously, but we're seeing a definite instance of that here. Yeah, and this yeah. has been a very important learning experience for us that um, with our guests, I mean, we need to do more than just, like, email them once or twice and then be like, oh, cool. And All right, know, we'll, here, here you go. We'll, um, we'll talk to give you. Give you a show. And um, we need to do a lot more research on people or at least have a voice conversation with them. Well, we did in this case, but it just, like I said, nothing came up because everyone was kind of... No, but we didn't speak to her vocally. But yeah, if we, even if we did speak to her vocally, we but would Then got... how would we know? I know. Yeah, it's... Know, but still, I mean, we we can do better with like kind of knowing who we're going to um, be. Yeah, it's yeah. All, and this is also kind of the consequence of a lot of sort of the queer Muslim and queer Arab spaces being secret, being closed, being private. They're not searchable. You can't check out the history of people who claim to be allies. Like yeah. even mm -hmm. the groups we're in and yeah. in some cases run are guilty of this because we do recognize that not everyone in those communities needs to be out or can be out or even mm -hmm. be a part of that community if it's a public space because yeah. again, hostility, yeah. it's, it's yeah. messy and yeah, somebody has to very messy but that also means that people who can speak out you know do and yeah. that people who are not going to be immediately under threat for doing so do mm -hmm. speak out and yeah yeah okay there there are some people who have come to me through this who aren't out and who can't come forward because of that um who had these experiences too and so that that's very true i think there's also an element of this that when people are from more kind of intercollective cultures that a lot of times when something like this happens it can feel very shaming for us when someone fails us that for some reason it doesn't just feel like their failure it feels like all of us failed to a degree and i think that that sometimes can lead one or two ways. I mean, it can lead to greater accountability, but it can also lead to people kind of feeling this need to like not speak on something or to cover something up or to be very quiet about something that's occurred. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that you guys have taken, you know, taken a lot from this situation and seem to have learned a lot from this situation um, about like kind of developing your own best practices and it is hard when when you're trying to do this kind of thing and you know you, you also have to go pay your bills and you have to all all these other kind of burdens on you of think things you have to attend to but i think mm -hmm. that our our way we can all try to hold people accountable to the extent that we can there are people that have a lot more power than all of all of us here 
Um, and that m- then most of us in the community, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, if you're on the board of directors of something, you know, or if you were hint, hint, nudge, nudge, yeah, or if you're involved in, in something else, I mean, like, yes, we can say, okay, well, it's a, mo- a mosque that she founded, but that's also how we got here because a lot of people just instead of when issues came up with her and I'm not blaming any individual because people get burned out on things and people get so attacked to a point that they shut down and for their own their own safety and health they have to take a step back. So this isn't about blame, but this is about like kind of identifying a pattern that that has emerged like that this has happened over and over with this person with Rabia where she really burns people out and that for some reason people get very isolated in that you know that Mm -hmm. that there wasn't a way of like okay like we we do have you know stakeholders in in this mosque and you know we are stakeholders or there are other stakeholders or how how can we as a group kind of address some of the issues instead of her just wearing people down to the point that they they leave and they have nothing to do with it or even people that come and speak at the mosque people that do interfaith work with the mosque there's so many entities that are that are intertwined with this mosque there are people that aren't even in the Muslim community that have influence on this mosque. And all of this can be leveraged for a greater good. And so, like, that's really what I hope, you know, listeners take away from this is that we do have agency and we have accountability too. Mm-hmm. You know, when something like this happens, like, if we just let it go, I mean, especially as Muslims. You know, I mean, like speaking as the Muslim here, um, from the Muslim perspective to just allow injustice to kind of go on unanswered and to spread that kind of corruption in our communities, that's that's really not okay. Um, And we need to try to be our best selves. We need to aspire to more. Um, And so I, I hope that people kind of take up that call and really try to address this situation and other situations too with other people that aren't being addressed because there's a lot there's a lot out there we just need to do a better job around accountability so and so do we Um, (laughs) thank you so so much for uh thank you you for having me on yeah thank you for being willing to go public with this like i said we've had a lot of people who talk with us but because of their position of leadership or association with all of this drama uh yeah they didn't feel comfortable they didn't want to deal with it and you know what because they are scared and it's not right that they have to feel that way but rabia has made them feel scared so yeah so mckay thank you mckay thank you very much um anyone listening you can contact us uh, at the queer arabs at gmail.com we're on facebook instagram and twitter at the the queer arabs and our branding is very consistent on that point (laughs) yeah we're so creative uh and then um, if you want to get in touch, like if anyone wanted to speak to you about this, Makai, do you want them to contact you through our our podcast or do you want to give them a way to contact you a more direct um, way? Yeah, I mean, people can either message me through my Facebook, which is Makai Adams, A-M-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold uh, on, do that over again because the signal cut out a bit. Yeah. Okay. Makai Adams, Makai being spelled M-E-K-H-I, Adams being spelled A-D-A-M-S. That's currently my name on there. You can also contact me via um, via email 
Uh, my email is M-E-K-M-E-K-H-I-L at gmail.com. Okay. And we'll post that too. We'll, we'll type that out All on right. the website and stuff. So, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we also want to say thank you to everyone else who tried to point us in the right direction. Our bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think this has been a learning experience for many, many of us. And I think we can only get better from this. Yep. All right. So. Outro music. All right. Outro. Thank you.